0: tell me you're interested, ask the questions. I am so excited to answer them and to get to know you and see if this is a fit for you. Welcome to the best year of your life in 2022. And I'm telling you right now, the iconic experience is going to be like the rocket that's going to take you to the whole new level, the one that you've been asking for.
1: Well, and interesting around being performative, it's really, I believe, tied to being an empath. Mm -hmm. And there's been some emerging science around mirror neurons, which are just neurological discoveries that empaths have more mirror neurons. And so when you see a school of fish and how they all flock together, and then they turn and the whole school moves, empaths have the ability to know what their environment needs from them to be successful in that scene. Which lends itself, I believe, to being more naturally performative and less in touch with who you truly are because you're so showing up to serve and be that extension that society calls for in that moment. So, in some way, I've kind of connected being performative to being an empath as well. And I don't know whether others would agree,
0: but that rang true for me. Welcome to the Becoming Iconic podcast. I am your host, Jen Spiegel. I am a life, business, and brand stylist. And after years of helping thousands of female entrepreneurs grow successful businesses and lives, I was called to bring these delicious conversations forward for those of you who are ready to build, expand, and actually enjoy all the desires of your heart. I'm so confident that this podcast will support you as you start to elevate and pursue the highest version of yourself. Thank you for being here. Sink in. And enjoy. Hey, icons, welcome to today's podcast with someone so special, unique, really, really relevant for us right now. And I feel so completely honored to be with her. It's Peyton Hughes who was a burnt out employee to a seven-figure CEO, is now pivoting in her life. And we're really going to dive into the story of why this is all unfolding and how it is unfolding because the really the subject today we're going to focus in on is Peyton has decided to spend two hours a day in self-care. And when she sort of announced this on social media, we knew each other through a mastermind and we'll get into that. I remember feeling very stirred and almost triggered personally because I thought, how's that possible? And so I wanted to have this conversation live with all of you listening in so that while I'm learning, you can learn too through someone who is absolutely an incredible human. She's such a good mom and a good wife and a savvy business owner. And just all the things I believe we aspire to be, achieve, and have, and yet she's taken it and raised that bar, at least for myself, to a whole new level. So, Peyton, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me, Jen. I love your podcast and you,
1: and just think you embody so much grace in your Mm -hmm. life. And I'm super honored to be here as well.
0: Thank you. That means a lot. That means a lot to me. So I think I would love to dive in to talking a little bit about the why, of course, but starting with the how, how did you get to this place of deciding to spend two hours a day in self-care? So it came to a challenge actually, and
1: you know, because of our mutual mentor, Allison Bird, we were a part of a Soul Sessions mastermind. And I honestly can't even tell you how I joined Because I'm not in the online coach space at all. Like I love and get inspiration from all of you. And I find so much joy in watching you all show up and serve. But I've been brick and mortar entrepreneur and local entrepreneur, not at this national level. So joining that in itself was miraculous. I think I listened to her on a podcast. and was like, this woman is speaking to my soul. What's she about? And then she pitched this mastermind. I joined it. At that time, though, for some context, I was fully experiencing postpartum depression. I had just given birth. I guess it was about a year out of giving birth to my second child, Jackson. And I was really in the throngs of burnout from postpartum depression into burnout, into surviving a global pandemic as a fitness business owner, primarily running a seven-figure business through my fitness gym in California, the, one of the most restrictive states, You know, not being able to operate out of your facility for 10 plus months in a calendar year is insane. So I'm in the middle of that, inconveniently feeling this soul tug. Mm. Like you're supposed to be doing something different. You're not supposed to be here. <laughs> I'm like, what? I am surviving a pandemic here. Like I am in a viking warrior princess alter ego every day. <laughs> and that's sort of like my thought process on it is like I'm showing up for battle every day. And there was so much masculine energy and push and drive and hustle in my history, which was connected to my cyclical burnout, which would lead to feelings of being alone, feelings of what is my life? Like people can sit there and admire you, but like you have to step into your life on a daily basis. Like, what have I built for myself? I feel like I'm in a cage. Is this really what it's supposed to be? And just feeling so disillusioned with the promise of prosperity and. And the lies of the hustle culture and just feeling so burned out and desolate that I was so drawn to a the mastermind called soul sessions because I just felt like my soul was in a desert mm-hmm. and I was yet being called into something else. So I joined that. And apparently to all of the uber spiritual like entrepreneurs in the mix, my energy was cloudy is what they've told me. Like, I kind of <laughs> came in with this vibe of heaviness. And I now look back and I see it. In the moment, I felt I was like really pioneering into something beautiful, but I was so entrapped with these like heavy feelings of just not knowing what's next and not feeling content and really wishing for more and sitting in that place of angst and indecision. And I hate feeling stuck. I'm not a person that identifies in that. And I felt so stuck in my life. So I show up and Allison Bird, who I love, and I'm here for some hard feedback in life in her grace and power, just looked at me and said, girl, you're like waiting for the universe to show up for you. You're like sitting there going, hello, give me what I want. I'm here for more. What is it? And not taking ownership of that journey. And she just said the most profound thing to me, which was, if you want the universe to show up big for you, how are you showing up big for the universe? It like hit me in my soul. And I was like, okay, Like challenge accepted. And I just said, okay, I'm a super literal person. So what do you mean by showing up big for the universe? She's like, girl, you need to go to Sedona, Arizona, and you need to do a full week soul adventure. And I'm like, what is a soul adventure? (laughs) So that's really what started me on this was like, okay, challenge accepted mid mastermind. I'm going to Arizona and I don't know what I'm doing there, but I'm showing the universe I'm here for something big. (laughs)
0: And I would be the same. I mean, even as you're talking about this, I wonder like, how do you show up big for the universe? Like, what does that mean? Because I need to know what that means. I'll do it, but I have to understand that and wrap my mind around it. And sometimes with, especially with soul work, it feels so big and vast. It's like, I'm not quite sure how this all fits together, but you literally took that advice and went to Sedona. What was that like? What was a soul adventure? Oh, so that was hilarious. I'm like, what is this experience? And get this, she goes, you need to call my friend Rick. He's
1: an angel guide. I'm like, what is an angel guide? Like, what are these super fluffy titles in the spiritual world? Like, I don't know what this is about. So I call angel guide Rick and I'm like, okay, Rick, what is this? And it's basically a full like soul scrape is how I would describe it. It's an hour conversation and I'm in tears and I don't love to cry. And I'm like getting my soul just like eviscerated in a very loving way where I'm like, I didn't know I was so screwed up. We're getting into wounds and childhood and lies that we've internalized. And he's really a very gifted, intuitive life coach. I didn't know this. I don't know what an angel guide is. Turns out it's the super intuitive person that goes, I can see where you're getting stuck in your life. And then he curates, he has 72 different practitioners in Sedona, which is a Mecca for spiritual intuitives. Who knew they have like five vortexes. I didn't even know what a vortex was. It's some like energetic field in the mountains, you know, in these beautiful red rocks. And it's just this very energy charged space. And a lot of world-class practitioners reside there and Sedona Soul Adventures, which is the name of the company, really gets to know you and then curates a five-day, three, four, five-day immersive, basically therapy in a decade. Like, let's just do that. You want to like fast track your acceleration. Let's just get serious about where you are in your life and what's holding you back. They literally sent me an itinerary and I kid you not, Jen, the names of these sessions are like inner goddess discovery, or like the radiant (laughs) heart healing. And like, I, I forget some of the other ones. I was like, unlocking your intuitive gifts, the highly sensitive person and like all these things. And he's like, does this agenda seem right to you? I'm like, I don't even know like, what is radiant heart healing? Sounds great, but I have no idea what any of this means. I am just so stoked as a mom of two kids under four to get on a plane and be by myself for
0: five days. You can do whatever you want. I'm there (laughs) for five days alone. I'm there. And such a practice of surrender. Like that's because I, you and I, I think have some things in common. And so that act of surrendering into the unknown of like, what is this? I don't even know what I'm walking into. That must have been like really the catalyst to opening yourself up to new things.
1: Yeah. And you know, what's crazy is in between Allison saying, show up big for the universe, do a soul adventure and me actually getting on the plane, something super traumatic happened in my life where I was experiencing. And a lot of us who are hard workers putting in long hour days. You experience like this lull around 2 to 4 p.m., sort of that classic, go grab your second cup of coffee in the day moment. Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking, oh, what's with my energy? You know, I'm not sleeping through the night. I haven't slept through the night in like four years, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm sleep deprived on a whole new level. It's its own form of torture. And I am navigating the pandemic, but I'm finding myself at 2 p.m. staring at the computer, wondering what I've done for the last hour. And this had happened for about a week where I was like, what is going on? I'm foggy. I'm super mom brain forgetful, way more than normal. I'm getting lost, just literally staring into oblivion at my screen, not wanting to go home because home is not a place of rest for me. Home is a place of mom and being on. There is no place to just be. So I'm staring at my computer screen alone in my office going, this might be the most serene moment of my day, but I have no energy. And it hit for me about a week before I got on the plane to Sedona, I could barely drive home. It was a five minute drive. I almost pulled over because I was falling asleep driving and it was very dramatic. I remember being like, oh my gosh, God, like universe source, whoever, please help. I got to get home to my kids. The nanny's late. I'm already late. Feeling mom guilt, showing up late again. Mm. I walk in the door barely, like I barely get home. And I collapse on the kitchen floor as soon as the nanny walks out the door. Like I am fully laid out staring at the kitchen ceiling and I'm pretending like it's a game and I'm super scared Mm -hmm. because I don't know what's wrong with me and I can't get off the ground. I look at the clock like from the ground. I'm like, I have two and a half hours till my husband comes home. And I've got these two little babies wanting to play with mom and I got nothing. I called my naturopath and I was like, something's really wrong with me. I was having my period every 10 days. Like I was really in a crazy adrenal fatigue crash, classic burnout, you know, and I was really scared about my health. So I go to Sedona, not having answers on my blood panels, you know, not knowing what's wrong with me. It was just as crazy. My like soul had prepare these events or the universe prepare these events for me to at least feel like, okay, I'm still
0: going to take time to figure out what's wrong with me, but now I'm more serious about it. It's almost like the bottom came out for you to force yeah. you into this because when you're a go-getter like you are an achiever, we can always make excuses for the excuses or for why we're feeling a certain way and just keep plummeting along. And so it sounds to me like you finally were surrendering in and trusting and doing something different. And so like everything kind of fell from under you so that you could really experience this fully. What was Sedona like? What did you realize there? So I cried (laughs)
1: grocery shopping day one because it was the first time I'm walking through these aisles going, I can literally just shop for what I want to eat. Wow. I'm not making four meals because god forbid anyone wants to eat the same food in my house you know so like i'm sitting there going oh my gosh i can actually choose what i what do i want for breakfast what is a good breakfast to me like and it was such a sad but beautiful moment as i'm literally tearing up mask on you know trying not to make eye contact with people but i'm like having an emotional moment of girl you have not showed up for you in an awfully long time so that started it and then just showing up for like Intensive therapy was what I thought I was showing up for. I was showing up for a lot more nurturing, a lot more healing from very beautiful souls that just wanted to love on me. And that like broke me too. The first session was with this super tall white man named Sequoia. So when they go, Sequoia is going to take you into the Red Rocks, like for like this shamanic healing journey or like whatever, I'm like, I don't even know what that is. It turned out to be like an inner child deep dive with white Sequoia, who has spent several years living amongst Native American tribes, really learning from them. But he really broke into childhood wounding. And I had done inner child work. I'm a big believer of therapy. But I had never done the work we did. And I walked away sobbing because he had... And on my Instagram, I have an entire video of me literally in Sedona crying, recapping it because it felt so powerful. I wanted people to be able to walk themselves through the same exercise. And it was so much about what's your inner child wound that has been driving this performative hustle behavior. And it was the lie that I'm not good enough. Something I have internalized for I'm turning 35 on Saturday, so I've internalized that for a few decades. When I stop to believe I'm good enough, what do I get to let go of? And it was so obvious that I could let go of a lot because so much of my behavior was driven to believing that I am what I do, I am who I what I achieve, and we know that it's not, but do we behave like that? And I was in full stack the accolades, like let's go top 20 under 40, like whatever award is out there to win. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I want to win that. You yeah. know,
0: Yeah. Peyton, I feel like asking you because I'm getting emotional just because I feel you, I feel you in that moment. Was it a multiple of things in your childhood that created that feeling or was it a singular moment? Do you know? I believe it was generational.
1: There's a lot of pieces around, if you're into the Enneagram, I have a lot of two and three energy in my family with that perfor- kind of that achiever and helper and wanting to just total sweethearts my entire family wants to give. But I think a lot of us have in my family line bought that we have to perform to be loved. At least that's my theory on it. I for sure bought that hook, line and
0: sinker and, and continued to reinforce that with the people I felt were role models for me. Yeah. That resonates a lot with me because Allison was the one that called me on that. I had never heard of what a performative persona was. I didn't never heard that term in my very first call with her. She cut the call. She said, I can't have a call with you until you discover yourself a little bit more. You're showing up performative. Mm -hmm. And I knew I was like, you know, when you just kind of know because you want to impress versus just being myself and relaxing into that and knowing that's enough. So I feel so connected to your story because that is something I'm still navigating.
1: Well, and interesting around being performative, it's really, I believe, tied to being an empath. Mm -hmm. And there's been some emerging science around mirror neurons which are just neurological discoveries that empaths have more mirror neurons. And so when you see a school of fish and how they all flock together, and then they turn and the whole school moves, empaths have the ability to know what their environment needs from them to be successful in that scene which lends itself, I believe, to being more naturally performative and less in touch with who you truly are because you're so showing up to serve and be that extension that society calls for in that moment. So in some way, I've kind of connected being performative to being an empath as well. And I don't know whether others would agree, but
0: that rang true for me. That rings true for me because the performative is not for me of the ego. It's not to show off it's to make people comfortable. Like I'm just like, let's make this situation comfortable. And I think we are intuitive as well. When you're an empath, you're tend to be a little more intuitive. That feels correct to me. So you go to Sedona, you're walking through these incredible adventures, really. I mean, soul adventures. How do you tie up that week? What did you learn? Well, the most profound session, if I could give a glimpse into
1: that moment was when I met with an intuitive who also is a naturopath and like healer, you know, she knows the human body really well. And she looked at me, we'd done something called the highly sensitive person's assessment, which I was like groundbreaking to realize like so much of my anxiety and frustration was stemming from this super sensitive person that was never allowed to be sensitive And so I've overcompensated with masculine to persevere and win in life. But what was underneath was this super kind, empath sensitive girl that would never believe she was good enough. And so I just kept borrowing super strong traits, showing up in a really push energy kind of way and buried it so deep that this woman really cut through me and was like, your body is unwell. And she didn't know that I had just been on my kitchen floor, you know, a week before going, what is wrong with my body? It's not showing up for me. And I was angry at my body, if I'm honest, like, I need you body. You can't give up on me now, you know, but sometimes your body can't cash the checks your mind's trying to write or you're, you're going and your body's like, we're done. Like, this is insane. And so when she looked at me and she said, I just got to stop the session right now and say like, you are going to get an autoimmune disease if you don't slow down. Hear me now. You will learn this lesson. You will learn it now, or you will learn it in two years when you have to make a complete diet lifestyle shift because you can't go on like this. And it was one of those moments that just was like hit as truth in my soul. And we as women have this gift, I believe, of perceiving kind of those deep truths in our body. And my body was resonating like, please. Say it for the girl in the back, like say it again. She needs to understand this because I have a track record of ulcers and burning my body out and and health issues because I go, go, go. And I have energy, but I've mistaken my energy for the ability to sustain focus for an unreasonable amount of hours. And just really anchoring back. And when she said that, it was so true. And she said, I'm going to dare you, which I'm always here for a challenge. So surprisingly, this was great news. (laughs) She's like, you need to spend two hours a day minimum alone. And when she prescribed that for me, I had two reactions. I was highly triggered by her audacity to assume I could find two hours in my day. Like, girl, I am running two businesses. I have two children under four. My husband and I are like, we've written our last check here. Like we are living on just the heart of our members still paying us in fitness. We have a closed down facility, right? Like, how dare you? And then on the other hand, it was this instant, like visceral relief because I needed somebody to give me the powerful diagnosis for me to pay attention.
0: Permission. That's what yeah. I see as too, right? Like somebody saying, here's your permission slip to just know that this is not something you, is like a cute idea. This is a yeah. must for your health. Interesting you say that because you just actually articulated that perfectly for someone who's even watching you because that's how I look at it as like how I have four kids and multiple businesses and a husband home and la la blah, 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 you know, it's like the how. And then the other part of me is like, how beautiful would that feel? Like how good would that feel, Jen? And what could you create with that kind of space alone? Yeah. Makes me weepy because as women, that just feels so far out of our grasp, doesn't it?
1: And I fought her. I literally have the recording, voice recording of the entire hour and a half session. And I'm arguing with her for 30 minutes because I'm with so much resistance around time. I'm like, give me anything. I'll write a check. I'll literally hire another nanny, but I don't want it to like this time alone feeling unproductive. I don't even know what I would do. And she was like, you are a sensitive soul. You will get more done when you come from a place of fullness and with energy than you showing up staring at your screen from two to 4 p.m. And when she said that, I knew I was like, oh, man, <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I'm staring at my screen for two hours in a place of complete depletion. What if I got out and hiked? What could, would I be able to do? And so I was like, okay, told myself, baby steps, right? Like, come home, tell your husband it's just a 30-day experiment. But then I, got, I came home from this adventure. My husband's running our businesses, putting the kids to bed, being like dad on duty for me for a whole week, which is unfortunately uncommon in our modern world. We'll do it for the men. The men don't typically often do that. My husband was a rock star that week. And I, he came home expecting me to be in total gratitude and so much restored energy. And I came home going, so it has to change. <laughs> <laughs> and I now need two hours for myself to literally do nothing in which we can make money, nothing in which I can point to as something I can monetize. And I have to just be and not do. Focus on being. That's my mission. And he was Bless his heart. Honestly, I give him a lot of credit. He was sort of down for the experiment. And then the resentment kind of kicked in on his end. When I started seeing such profound shifts in 30 days, I wasn't going anywhere. And we had to have that moment, you know, where he tends to avoid conflict. He was pushing it down. Like it's just a phase. She's just in this phase. She's just doing her Peyton thing. She's trying on something new. She'll give it up soon. And so I was sitting there assuming I could keep going. He was sitting there assuming I was going to stop. And we just had this moment on a date night where I go, this is really profound for me and I have to keep going. And I said, I can sense your resentment around that. Can we talk about it? And he was resentful. But when I started to talk about, have you noticed this? He goes, yeah, you're a way better mom. Like you want sex more than you ever did. You know, Talk about getting a a husband to be on board with something. He's like, this is no chore. You're, you're wanting sex more than me. What's going on? And, and there was so much that was unlocking for me around being more peaceful, being more centered. I couldn't sit in the drama and you couldn't trigger me like you could have before. I was much more of a peaceful essence. And he goes, I see the goodness. I'm just wondering, like, are there some days you can be flexible with it? Mm. Are there some days that you don't have to have those two hours? And then this flared up for me last month when we went on vacation for two weeks, we actually got into an argument about how I wanted my two hours. I was sort of like, okay, how are we are planning our vacation? Like, how am I getting my two hours? And he was like, you're so selfish. What do you mean you still want two hours on a family vacation? Like we need to be as a family. And I'm like, I get it. I'm such a better person in the family when I am a better person to myself. And it was this moment where I go, I have to be true to me because I have not shown up for me so many times in my life. That I feel like the flaky friend in my soul where I will say that this sense is important to me, but if somebody else needs something of me, I will fold. I will give it up. I'll fall out of rhythm, but rhythm matters. Rhythm is my sanity. Rhythm is my my showing myself that I matter to me and I am good enough. Like it was this very, it's to me, it's self-love. And I started feeling really emotional about it. We were not on eye to eye on that for a few days. And finally I said, okay what if I get up at 5 a.m. in the dark Hmm. and I go spend my two hours till 7 a.m. when you and the kids wake up? And he was so relieved and was like, thank you for sacrificing for me and the family because I really needed to see that. I just had to let go of being resentful of having to wake up in the dark every morning (laughs) on my vacation and going like, this is my choice. I'm choosing this. This is what my family requires. And I'm a disciplined human, honestly, once I get my headstrong self into a space. And so this two-hour thing really became... I'm going to do it. And it's been a big blessing to be that hard-minded about something.
0: It is. And I I also just want to like sit in a moment and just say how great you were walking that through with your husband, you know, rather than just saying, no, this is what I need. You instead shared with him what's happening, what your experience is and what he's even experiencing as a result of this. I think that was a very beautiful way of having that conversation. And so do you do the same two hours every day? Like, do you have a rhythm with that? Or are you very flowy? I'm flowy because I have to be. And so it's funny because he'll be like, you're
1: so rigid. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'll take my two hours from 8 to 10 PM instead of watching Netflix if I just couldn't get it to happen that day, you know? And now I'm having so much fun with what I'm doing in those two hours, which would be fun to kind of cover that piece too, because I'm now addicted to having rest and exploring my inner peace. It feels so nurturing and cozy and energizing. I'm like, that's the hit I need. I'll give up coffee before I want to give up that. So that's been really profound too. So what do you do? So I'm a sensory seeker. So I like new experiences. I don't ever want to be as much as I like rhythm. I like to change up what's in it. I first started really getting into meditation, but I could have never meditated for more than 10 minutes before this whole trip, just straight. Honestly, I had like the headspace app and I would be like, Oh my gosh, three minutes max. So exhausting. Trying to clear your mind when you're busy as a mama, (laughs) like just, just what are we doing with this meditation thing? But then I started exploring like guided meditations and visualizations. I was on YouTube. I'm like a YouTube shark for a good guided meditation. I'm like, okay, what is this? Like shamanic drumming guided meditation for 20 minutes. I'm like 20 minutes. But it was like visualize the forest and walking down the steps and, and meeting like your soul's mission. And I mean, it's very spiritual. And so it was so off the beaten path. It felt so fresh. And the freshness was really powerful for me. So I would do guided meditations. I would do nature walks. I would just force myself into being alone. I would dance. I would turn on a good playlist in my kitchen, turn the lights off so I can't like criticize myself. And I was busting moves that probably you haven't seen since high school. (laughs) And I was having so much fun with like Shakira's hips don't lie. And my husband's watching Netflix and I'm in the kitchen dancing, you know, and just felt this freedom in my heart kind of reawaken. So for me, it's a lot of hikes in nature. It's a lot of sitting even in my car and just doing a meditation. Like it's not glamorous. And some days, honestly, it was connecting with a good friend. And Mm -hmm. I just made the conscious choice that, you know what? two hours is for my soul. I'm missing this person. I'm going to connect with them and grab some remote coffee, or I'm going to take them on a walk with me. And I'm just going to allow my soul to connect to a sister that I love, you know, or whatever it was, or it's learning something new, reading a book. I did a lot of that stretching, moving my body, listening to really peaceful music. So did you incorporate your workouts into that or was that separate? No. Ironically, I've actually had to come to terms because I feel so hypocritical because I run a gym. When I show up to work out, I can't really be retreating into myself. Right. I'm still on a stage. At least that's where it is now. I don't know if that'll shift. I know the warmups. I know the movements. I would do it in nature alone in a field before I would show up in a gym and do it as part of my two hours.
0: Mm. Yeah. It's not about jamming in all these things oh. into your two hours. So it's like, okay, I checked the task list. This is about what I'm sensing is really divine feminine energy of sinking in and going, what do I need today? Yes. And I will say there's the magic of two consecutive hours is hard for people
1: to wrap their minds around. And some days, honestly, I'll do an hour and then another hour and it's not ideal. But the magic of two consecutive hours is that we all know by the time you leave your house frazzled and you've got all the bags with all the laptops and all the plans in place and you're meeting and you're looking at your calendar and you've carved out your two hours. I literally write in my calendar, you deserve these two hours. That's the appointment. And I leave my house, the clock starts, you know, and I drive myself to where I feel at peace. I'm not in a peaceful state. Like I'm going to be honest, I'm in a frazzled state or I'm like, Upset because my kid was crying as they walked out the door. I'm shedding mom guilt. Like it's like a, I just got off the mountain in the ski lodge and I'm taking off all the layers because I'm so right. hot. And right. I'm sitting there going, okay. Breathing. I do. A, I did a lot of Wim Hof breathing. It's like 10 minute YouTube video, right? I'm like, okay, I can do this. Let's so just deep breathing. And then I get into this, like, okay, I'm feeling back at home in my body. Now, what would give me life? What is something I want to explore today? What's something that allows me to be in me? Well, by the time I get to that place, it's been half an hour by the time I really take care of me, it's an hour. And by the time I'm getting myself back off the clock into work mode, it's another half hour. So the truth
0: about two hours is you're really padding it to protect a full hour. I love that because I think the other thing that can happen and what I'm sensing through you is you've almost surrendered to this, but a lot of people can create so much angst within the two hours of wanting to squeeze so much out and And asking all these questions that create excuses, like you just answered them. So what happens? Like, do I drive for the hike? Does that count? Is my hike two hours? So thank you for explaining that because I know for us as women, especially as moms listening in, we will find every reason to find an excuse as why this wouldn't work for us. You brought up now mom guilt. How has that been for you?
1: Oh my gosh. I feel like my heart just, it's like you want to stab me in the heart. Tell me that I'm going to miss the time I didn't spend with my kids. And I get that all the time. I get so many people saying, honestly, DMs going like you're so selfish or like you're going to look back and regret this. Like you're hurting your kids by doing this. I get some really hard comments and it's hard because honestly, they're reflecting to me what they would be telling themselves, how hard that is to feel like you're. Saying that in your own brain, I've said that in my own brain, but I have, know this: I'm a way better mom. And honestly, it's about quality over quantity. And I don't care. I, I was maybe there's some beautiful women who can be really nurturing, present, stay at home moms, and that's their mission and that's their essence, like realized. And that's a beautiful gift. And I do not want to marginalize that at all because I think there's this two camps of motherhood that we really need to get out of. Which is the working mom. Like we're so on it. Check us out. We're doing a million things and showing our kids how to have money and all the things. And, And you stay at home moms and then the stay at home moms being like, you're so selfish to like not realize your children is the only ultimate role you can have in the world. I've personally just come home to the place and I'm a much better human working. Sometimes I'm a much better human when I'm happy. And a happy mom is more important to my kids than a present mom who's unhappy.
0: It's really true, Peyton. Like I've been doing a lot of thinking of my days. I'm home with them, but what are they actually getting from me? And oftentimes it's the leftovers Mm -hmm. because I haven't nurtured myself. It's not because of my work. I mean, we can easily use that as the reason, you know, I'm so busy with the work, but work is really like when you actually think about it, we don't spend that much time. It's a lot of like wasted time scrolling or yep. like mindless things. For me, what I'm I'm hearing so loud and clear is the more time we spend on ourselves, the more everything else blossoms, even our businesses. Like I imagine yes. your creativity has gone through the roof. Absolutely. Because the feminine energy is the seat of creativity.
1: So as I've shed some of the masculine need to achieve and run these, run my team ragged, quite honestly. I mean, I had to look them in the eyes and go, I'm realizing I need to take the foot off the gas pedal. Does that ring true for you? And the relief I saw on their faces was like, okay, well, I'm accountable to you now. I am taking the gas off of me. I will take the gas off of you and watch us go. Obviously in a pandemic, we've done some pretty profound things in the business, but me releasing control has been huge and it's surrender. I think you said it well.
0: So where do you go from here? Is this just something now you continue doing forever? Do you see an endpoint? I actually have this hunch that it's only going to get more.
1: And I don't say that even to my husband. I don't think he'll listen to this podcast. We're not in that conversation where I'm like, I really sense like, for example, I'm shifting out of CEO in our businesses. He's shifting in. I'm going to go to his business advisor one day a week. The other two days a week, I'm going back into growth consulting for small businesses. And I'm going to work basically three days a week now. My workday is actually pretty shaved down. It's only from like nine to three anyways. Then you throw my two hours in and you're like, you're working like four hours a day. What is happening? But I don't have a plan yet for Thursday and Friday. And I'm making space for what's coming, but it is not clear what's coming.
0: And that's a very interesting space to be in. It is. And an exciting one. Like I can tell Peyton a few months ago would have been like, what is it? What is it? Like wanting to like claw at the answer. Whereas now you're like, it'll show up and it'll be perfect. I have a feeling it's life coaching, which is ironic, but I'm letting it unfold. Yeah, I I see you stepping into that. And I know just even through this conversation, you will be someone who is so supportive to other women, moms who are feeling so depleted. And now more than ever after this pandemic, we are dealing with moms. I look at it as like an elastic band. It's been stretched so far that it's either going to snap Or Mm -hmm. when it comes back, it's so stretched, it will never come back to the way it was because of how stretched it was. I am really appreciative for people like you who are sharing this message, who are stepping into service and just walking other people through a journey that you have walked yourself. I think that is the most Mm -hmm. aligned and beautiful experience because you can show compassion and empathy and also guide really, really well. Where can people find you? Because I know they're going to be like, where's Peyton? I want to watch this journey. (laughs) Yeah. If you want to
1: see the authentic unfolding, it is all on my IG account, which is at Peyton Hughes. I have a podcast right now called Peyton's Pep Talks, but I'm feeling a shift in that because a pep talk can have a drive push energy to it. And I'm sinking into a different energy, which is unfolding and letting go of that control to discover your inner strength and beauty. And I think it's really powerful. I'm a massive feminist. And I really kind of believe that the world hasn't made space for true feminine power. We don't know what that looks like. So we've spent a lot of time playing in the man's world using male energies. And when I say that, it's not gender specific, it's an energetic specificness. And I'm really passionate about what does it look like if we step into our true strength and it balanced the feminine masculine and what does that look like? So I'm going to be exploring that YouTube Mm -hmm. podcasting,
0: et cetera, but it's unfolding. Well, I think that's one of the most beautiful times for people to come over and be with you is to watch the unraveling of this because... Sometimes we look at businesses or podcasts at the chapter, you know, far beyond the beginning phases. And I think as women come into your space and watch you and then watch you walk into your purpose and mission in this beautiful, new, fresh way, it's going to be a really big inspiration for them to do the same. So thank you so much. So I asked this question. I'm excited to hear your answer. How are you going to be iconic today? To me
1: today and beyond, it's really about honestly uncovering my uniqueness and not comparing to anybody else's strengths. Honestly, being iconic has to do with being original. No one else can be me and no one else can be you. And I'm kind of obsessed with what have I taken on style, look. I mean, even just like what you see versus who I am and what am I being called to be? I'm feeling called to explore fashion. I'm feeling called to explore my time, my day, what matters to me, what I'm listening to, and really just being more free with myself, like alone and not modeling and taking over vocabulary of others even, and just really sitting with me. And what am I on this earth to be doing? And how is that original? I have to say that's my
0: favorite answer so far. Really? Oh my gosh. Well, you have quite the lineup of guests. So that's pretty profound. Because I think some people miss the word iconic. I think they think that that means success or money in the bank. Whereas to me, iconic is like honestly owning who you are and letting that shine so bright without dimming ourselves or morphing ourselves. I love that you even said vocabulary because I can catch myself in that too, where we're inspired through others and I'm picking up the words. And sometimes that when I say it, I'm like, oh, that's not me, but I love how intentional you are and how curious you are and how your eyes seem really wide open. And I am so grateful for this conversation has changed me. Thank Thank you. you. That's really, really kind of you to say. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you know how deeply grateful I am for the time and space you give to the Becoming Iconic podcast. It is an honor and a privilege to show up here twice a week and pour into you. And thank you for those five-star reviews that you've been giving and those beautiful compliments. It means so much. And the time you spend to do that is just the most beautiful way to give back. The other thing I want to challenge us to as a community is to share more. It's so simple to copy this link into a text to a friend who you think would benefit from what you just listened to or share it into your stories. Make sure to tag me, by the way, because I love resharing. And allowing your network to maybe discover something that they wouldn't have if it weren't for you.